to Expounded Universe, Season 3, Episode 4, Batman and Robin, the book, Tales from the Mos Eisley Cantina, edited by Kevin J. Anderson, the year, 1995, with your hosts, Jeff and John, let's go. The myth in the band looked like if the testicle had a butthole on it, don't fucking try and explain a skater boy to me, Okay. The young kids don't care for your jizz. They just want to hang around in their rooms and you're goth. Oh, ball sacks, he says. Welcome back to Expounded Universe, the Star Wars discussion pupcast. Oh, damn it. It's a new one. Ah, uh, the pupcast. <laughs> I want to do a pupcast now. Right? Fuck this. I'm going to go do a pupcast. <laughs> uh, here at the pupcast, we get a different pup each week and we review it for you. Every single one of them is great, though, because... Who's Look at be... this pup. <laughs> this little pupster. This little pup, he's got a little wet nose, and he wants to be a friend. His paws are too big for his face, and that's just great. 12 out of 10, good pup. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, welcome to uh, Expounded Universe, the Star Wars novel discussion podcast. Yes, we're here to discuss Star Wars Expanded Universe novels expounded universe novels wait no hang on these expansive universe novels (laughs) uh these expanded universe novels they Mm. used to have pants (laughs) much like myself they used to have pants but have long since left them behind (laughs) so oh man so uh as always what we do here on the show is we get an expounded universe novel i almost said expounded that time but i think i just made it to flat a like i was doing some sort of north atlantic accent yeah that's fine expanded universe really oh, expanded universe. really it is really <laughs> <laughs> i need 101 dalmatians to make my coat darling <laughs> Man, that's an excessive amount of Dalmatian, though. I mean, honestly. <laughs> They're quite small, the Dalmatians. <laughs> also, there's very little good fur on a Dalmatian. It's a shitty species, except for the pups. Uh, pups are good. Good pups. <laughs> yeah, 11 out of 10. <laughs> Gorilla Deville reviews individual Dalmatian puppies. <laughs> uh, this this one will not be a coat for me. On uh, uh, 8 out of 10. This one shall make a fairly good pocket. Eleven of ten. <laughs> She's turning into Severus Snape in my accent. <laughs> <laughs> this Dalmatian will make a good pocket potter. <laughs> yes, your Dalmatian did not mix the correct potions. <laughs> what, what happened here? Where are we? What, what, have, what have we done? What's my name? <laughs> anyway, the book we're reviewing is Tales from the Mos Eisley Cantina, as edited by one Kevin J. I assume that stands for James Anderson. Yeah, who knows? It's probably just Kevin James. Yeah, it's Kevin James. Actual, factual Kevin James. Yeah. Well, it really gave it away when we got that story about a mall cop in this one. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was really weird when there was like, well, okay, who's watching the fight between Dr. Evazon and Obi-Wan Kenobi, but Paul Blart, Mall Blart. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you go on Wikipedia and look up the fantastic race of the Mulblarts, <laughs> this chapter is uh, what chapter five and uh, or four? I don't care. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? Ah, who gives a shit? Yeah, it's either four or five. What it's- is what is this a thing I do professionally? <laughs> Man, fuck it. <laughs> This one is going to be the tale of Mufftack and Cabe. Oh, Mufftack. And I believe the title of the chapter is Play It Again, Figrin Dawn. <laughs> is it? Is Am I wrong? Was that last chapter? Yeah. No, it's great. Is it right? Am no, I right? You're fine. Okay, good. And then uh, I think it was by an A.C. Crispin. 
Yeah. The author of the chapter. Uh, Muftak and Cabe, for those who are not in the immediate know about every, every name of every random alien costume in the cantina, are the big white furry thing with four eyes and a gross little nose. And the little bat guy. Yeah, the little, the little bat person who's like, give me that cup. I want that cup. Me. This, like, for for all of the random little weird aliens that are on uh, the screen for, like, two seconds, I have to say, fucking the Chadra fan really, really sells everything. Because they're like, yeah, I'm a little Chadra fan. I want this cup of juice. Yay. How, how much do you wish that the Ugnaughts in Empire had just all been Chadra fan? So much. <laughs> like, we needed more Chatterfan in this world. Yeah, we needed more Chatterfan and less Ugnaughts, I think. Yeah. Overall. But yeah, Cabe is an adorable little Chatterfan, which is a little bat, wingless bat person from the planet Chadra. And... Well, that's what it says here, but on Wikipedia it says they're from Chad. So I was like, hold on. <laughs> also, th- when I was... <laughs> I mean, spoiler alert. planet of Chads? Yeah, I was like, oh man... There's there's got to be some like virgin towels in the Chad Chadra fan. <laughs> yeah, that's a meme for all you meme loving fucks out there. <laughs> Good times. Given that it's really hard to do that one with the guys from American Chopper on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess we could just have a back and forth of five sentences. I mean, we could just yell at each other, but I don't think anyone would get it. No. <laughs> and then at the end, we'd have to stop and be like, "Scene, folks, that was the thing from American Chopper that we just did, <laughs> folks." That was a spoken word meme. <laughs> spoken word memes. Oh my god, we're switching all of our format shows. I'm replacing Movie Mastery with spoken word memes. <laughs> Guys, I'm going to the local open mic to do spoken word memes. <laughs> oh my gosh, and then I'm going to record that. That'll be the podcast. Yep, that's it. That's what we're doing from now on. Guys, you can find our new Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash spoken word memes. Yeah, you can do all the... Uh... <laughs> do all the smug imger ones where it's like the little baby going yes you know kind of and he's just saying something horrible <laughs> yeah man it'll be great <laughs> people will need to figure out what the meme i'm doing is <laughs> that's the whole game oh my gosh that's actually not a terrible game yeah you just have to say two sentences and people have to figure out what stupid meme was supposed to go in the middle of that <laughs> when i'm walking bottom text <laughs> <laughs> wait okay is that the double penguin one <laughs> no no shit okay i have no idea then <laughs> That's right. No one does. I've, I'm not very good at memes, John. They're not my primary mode of communication, like some of us. Oh yeah, I'm I'm super into them memes. Eventually, I'm just going to be like Darmok and Jalada Tanagra. Like that's all I'm going to have. <laughs> John, are you okay? Lost. <laughs> you're, you're feeling lost? No, loss. I said loss. No, loss forever. Move past it and heal. <laughs> Glowing, irradiated brain. Moving past it and healing. <laughs> All right, so the broke thing to do in this situation would be to actually talk about the chapter. So uh, I suppose. Yeah, so we start in the br- in the uh, point of view of one Muftak, who in this book has no idea what species he is. Yeah, I wonder who named him Muftak, by yeah, who, the way. I th- well, he's born with a lot of racial memories in this book. Well, and he, a lot of racist memories. <laughs> he's born with the complete knowledge of the Tall's language. Yes, and Which, lucky him, because it's pretty buzzes. It's pretty much just buzzing. It's it's Ruth Buzzy, is yeah, the whole it's language. Just, it's just whapping dudes with purses. <laughs> yeah, that's how they communicate. Uh-huh. Yeah, anytime you need to say anything, you need to find Jerry Lewis and smack him around with a purse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he has that, and then he has a few weird, random memories of things, but for the most part, he's like, I have no idea what the hell I am. Which is odd, because you'd think if he knew the entire language, you'd be like, 
Uh, let me see. What's the word for me? Oh, it's this. <laughs> that is true. They don't have a word for their own people. I uh, guess. But he does speak his entire language except for that one word. Or maybe he does know that one word, but he doesn't know how to say it in non-Tall's language. Well, I mean, as soon as someone tells him that word, he's like, oh, yeah, that is the word for me. Yeah, huh. he's like, ah, ah, very good. But, you know, his in his own word for himself might have just been like, Bzzz, and then he couldn't get anyone yeah, else to say that. Yeah, he was an Adrian Barbobot. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, eat ha- we'll eat nails like candy. <laughs> but you can only be five feet tall. <laughs> I want to be a tiger. <laughs> if I have to be five feet tall, there's no way Hesh can be a tiger. <laughs> We're gonna recite the entire C- the first episode of C Lab 2021 right now. Yeah, that's goddamn right. We are. <laughs> that's part of my spoken word memes. <laughs> you want the mustache on or off? Off. Too bad. <laughs> God, that was a good show. Anyhow, <sighs> so he's kind of loping around Tatooine. Uh, he it, we get some interesting descriptions of the way that his species kind of works. Because, as you probably know, the, the one thing you know about a Tall's is that it, it looks like a four-eyed, shitty Wookiee costume. Yeah, it's just a big, white, furry dude with the weird proboscis and uh, four eyes. Four eyes. And well, one set is larger than the other. Yeah, and it turns out that that's because Tall's have day eyes and night eyes. Yeah, and that's honestly a very interesting thing, because... I have to assume nobody was given any background information about anything before they started writing these. I mean, to be fair, I did look because I was also considering doing talls for my for my uh, bonus content entry, and uh, <laughs> it's like, yeah, whoever wrote this did no research on talls, and I was like, well, no, it's because he was the first one to do anything. Yeah, because they were like, hey, you want to write something about this random race that no one knows anything about? And they're like, yeah, sure, I guess. Yeah, and then later on, Clone Wars came around and and just said everything that that's in this chapter is completely wrong. Yeah. But I say this dude's a pioneer. Oh, yeah. I mean, he has a a much different idea of what's going on with Tal's than most people do. Yeah, it's vastly different, and I actually kind of prefer it. So, okay, he's kind of loping around Tatooine thinking to himself about like his life and situation and friends. So he's he's like, oh, man, i got to find my little buddy, uh, the Chadra fan that I like to hang around with all the time. The, the, she's, her name is Cave, and I want to be her, and she's my friend. Well, Cave is following around. Yeah. And she wants something called jury juice. Oh yeah, but that, what they're what they're trying to do is get home because they just failed to steal from the empire. Yes, yeah, that's right. They have just failed an attempt to to, to rob some shit from the empire, uh, and they're they're kind of getting desperate because I guess they have to rob from the empire at this point. And this is funny because Jabba has declared stealing from anything else in the in the neighborhood off limits. Yeah, I it was a very weird thing to have them say like, oh yeah. Jabba has certain things that he's willing to let people steal and other things that he won't. And then we have to worry about that. I'm like, really? Like, that's Jabba's like telling the thieves where they can steal from. That seems very strange. I mean, to be fair, it's not like it's an especially complicated set of orders. It's like, hey, I run thieving in this town. Unless you work for me, don't steal anything or I'll find out and I'll kill you. And his one exception is, except for the Empire, I don't care what happens to the Empire. Yeah, that's that's fine. No one gives a shit if you want to try and steal from them. But it's super dangerous to steal from the Empire because, you know, they're the goddamn Empire. Yeah. So uh, they're they're making their way back to, like, a, a sort of ho- a little hovel that they live in. Yeah, they've got, like, some hidey hole underneath a hangar somewhere that they live in. Yeah, and Cabe is just sort of generally whining about things that Cabe would like. Yeah, and uh, the... Muff Tack is fucking just, like, wandering around being like, hey, man, it's cool. Chill out, bro. <laughs> like, I love the the idea that 
Cave is like, yeah, we gotta get it. We're gonna go to the place. We're gonna get some stuff. And I'm gonna get some things. Yeah, Jerry Juice. And like Muff Tax is like, hey, friend. <laughs> See, I kind of picture. I kind of got a Buttons and Mindy vibe off of all of this. <laughs> I don't know if that if that's just me, but because the Talls is definitely the one who's in charge. But there's no way that Cave will ever recognize that. <laughs> uh so, uh, so Cabe really wants jury juice, which, according to the, to, is basically just fruit juice that she can buy at the local cantina that gets her drunk. Yeah, she gets fucked up and way fucked up because when she's like, "Hey, I want to go pick some pockets at the cantina. Let's go there," because it turns out Cabe is a pickpocket. Yep. Uh, he's like, "No, no, you don't need to pick pockets right now." And she's like, "But I'm way good at picking pockets when I've had my jury juice." Yeah, man, I'm even better when I'm drunk. <laughs> You've got a problem, Cabe. <laughs> and he's like, no, you just think you're better, and I have to carry you home because you pass out. Uh, so they are, it's before anything is really opened, it's before dawn, they're going through the streets, and they're freaked out because, you know, they just failed to fucking steal from the Empire, so they're trying to lay low. Right. And they get, uh, eventually, some sand troopers like, hey, you towels! He's yeah. like, Oh shit, towels. I'm a towels. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. Did you say towels? Hey, you, towels. And he's like, I don't have any towels. I am sorry, sir. <laughs> oh, carry on then, citizen. <laughs> I'm the sand trooper whose job it is to find some towels. <laughs> hey, you, towels. <laughs> you, boil hot water. One of us sto- uh, stormtroopers is having a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I need towels. Uh, you, Ithorian, rip up some bed sheets. I don't know why. It just seems like something people do. I, I, I just, every time I see something, they're ripping up bed sheets. I figure it helps. <laughs> it's got to be something. The sound what? of ripping bed sheets really helps the baby. And what's the hot water for? Even what is all this? I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> sir. <laughs> sir, I'm having a baby, sir. <laughs> sir, I'm dilated five centimeters, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, where's the towels? My breath exercises aren't working, sir. Can I please get an epidural? (laughs) Sir, everyone thinks that they won't need it, but I do, sir. (laughs) I'm being realistic about it, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sir, if I could wait one more day, my my baby would be born on April Fool's. Uh, so anyway, that's now the uh, now the nerd stormtrooper is pregnant. Everybody, yeah, good news. Good news, everyone. So he accosts the towels and the and the Chadger fan, but it turns out he's not looking for for local riffraff aliens. Oh no! Of course, because this is the Moss Eisley Cantina book, he's looking for two droids. Yes, these two droids. Have you seen them? And they're like, "No, sir, we ain't seen no droids. Nope, no droids. None for me, thanks." Mm-hmm. And but but I promise you, if I do see any droids, you'll be the first to know, you stormtrooper, you. Oh yeah. Well the. Interesting thing about Muftek is we find out he's an information broker. Mm-hmm. So as much as Cabe is like, oh, I'm a little sneaky thief and I I disable electronics and I pick pockets and ooh, I'm so sneaky. And the mm-hmm. towels is like, yo, I I just find out things and sell it. Well, he's got like an eighty pound head, so no doubt there's definitely some extra brain in there. Oh yeah, so much extra brain. <laughs> He's got even more brain than a regular towels. He's just, whoops, too much brain. Oops, all brain. <laughs> Oops, all brain. Two scoops of brain in every towels. <laughs> uh, I've got too much brain, and I'm passing the savings on to you. Come on down to crazy muff tax. I'm crazy because I have too much brain. It's a condition. <laughs> the name of this stormtrooper, one ninety nine ninety nine. That seems fair. <laughs> 
Ugh. I've got all the information in the world except the name of my own species. Aww. Hot dogs for the kids. <laughs> uh, so once he finds out that he is a Tals, he's mm-hmm. like, oh boy, because I remember back in the day when I ripped my way out of a cocoon. Yeah, because the the author here has decided that the reason that this dude's got four eyes and thin fur and a proboscis is that he's a huge wingless moth. Yeah, it's a strange thing, but he's like, oh, I've got all these memories of, like, climbing trees in a jungle and sticking my nose into a flower and drinking deep of the nectar. Mm-hmm. And then I'd go and buzz around a local light post for, like, hours and hours. <laughs> oh, I have deep memories of being shooed off of so many screen doors. It must be a race thing that my species does. <laughs> I like to imagine that for entertainment they have TV, but it doesn't actually show anything. It's just on so they can run into it. Dunk, 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 dunk. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, this book has, has classified uh, the Tal species as basically giant moths. Now, he still doesn't know what planet he's from. He just has his species name in mind now, and he's super excited to have picked that much up. Uh, Unfortunately, the stormtrooper who he is talking to and kind of obsequiously promising that he would deliver information about droids to him if he found them is interrupted by a more important stormtrooper. Well, yeah. Well, an an imperial officer. Yeah, an imperial officer who comes up and he's like, he's like, hey, have you found those droids? No, no, sir. No, sir, sir. Obviously, I haven't. No, if I if I'd found the droids, sir, don't you think I would have given them to you by now, <laughs> sir? I'm not just hiding droids for no reason, <laughs> sir. Uh, I did, sir. They're invisible droids. Yeah, they're right here. <laughs> Only the smartest people can see them, though. <laughs> they have a stupid people cloaking device, sir. Yeah. I, so, uh, but this dude's like, well, we also need to do this other thing. You have to go report to some prison and be a guard or whatever. And also. Does that Tal's know anything? He looks like an ugly bug. <laughs> Which is nice to actually see some racism in action on the Empire's part, because that's the thing you always hear in in uh, in stories about the Empire, because the Empire's all humans, right? Like, in the movie, you only see humans. Yeah, and, you know, that is a big thing in most of the writing about it, is they're like, oh yeah, they were human supremacists, they hated aliens. Yeah, but when have we ever seen it? Think about it. Think about the characters we've seen, except for, like, I'd say maybe Lord That's He's pretty much the only racist Imperial we've ever met. Every other Imperial person we've met so far has either been completely indifferent to the whole racism against aliens thing, or an alien. It's true. And, I mean, when you're looking at the actual, like, uh, Empire from the movies, there's no point where they're like, ew, aliens, ew. Yeah, they never go like, uh, filthy, mosaicly uh, sand people. Anything like that. They're just like, oh, well, we just all happen to be humans. Yeah. Because when you because know it's it, so much cheaper to just have humans in an outfit. I'm pretty sure that's what happened with New Hope and, and uh, Empire Strikes Back. It was like, well, we have all these blue jumpsuits that fit humans, and we have all these pale British dudes. So uh, here we go. All right, great. Problem solved. <laughs> <laughs> so it's nice to see an actual racist Imperial pop up and kind of confirm the stereotypes that everyone assumes. Yeah. And he's like, ew, gross, it's Halls. Yeah, he's just like, ugh, everyone in here is terrible, and they'll all shoot you rather than talk to you yeah. fucking aliens. You think we should kill that Talls real quick? And the eh. other guy's like, no, sir, he was just saying he'd bring us the droids. <laughs> he's all about it, sir, he loves it. Yeah, well, see that you do then, gross Talls. <laughs> you, you weird little bugman, get out of here. <laughs> and, and indeed they do. <laughs> yeah. So They fuck along. <laughs> they fuck right along. <laughs> 
So now that uh, he is armed with the knowledge of being a Tals, mm -hmm. they are headed off to that Moss Eisley Cantina. The famous Moss Eisley Cantina. Yep. Expensive hot dogs for the kids. <laughs> the, uh, the fucking thing about this is uh what's his nuts uh muff Tech is talking to the ithorian who is the big hammerhead guy yeah moma nadon who will get his own story later on and i like that we're starting to see more and more of that interconnectedness between the stories here yeah i was gonna say it's the first time i've seen something where the fact that the next story is about this guy seems to have tied in because uh moma has stuff that's like going on in the background the lieutenant that stopped them mm -hmm. is someone that he's like "Ooh, i hate that guy and i've Ooh, got business with him i hate that stormtrooper <laughs> <laughs> moma's gonna trick him into playing that one song on the piano yeah do 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 dink dink <laughs> yeah so so if you're wondering what the hell we're talking about the ithorian is basically like a you know the slug guys yeah. They look like big slugs. Some big, broad-headed dudes. Yeah, the hammerhead slug dudes. Yep. So he's a good friend of Muff Tax from way back. And even though he is apparently pretty worldly and uh, from, from you know, another planet and all that stuff, he does not know what the hell Tals uh, <laughs> are either. It's very strange to me that nobody on, like, all of Tatooine that he has found, and he being an information broker, has ever known what he is. That is yeah, it's so weird that, like... I mean, he knew, like, Han and Chewie before this, even. He knows everybody in the cantina, and, and all these people are like, oh, yeah, I've been to space all the time. Heck, yeah, I love space. Space I'm, is I'm, great. I'm always up there sticking my dick in space. That's what I'm all about. But I've never heard of your species. That's me, space fucker the space guy. Don't know about towels. <laughs> Maybe not knowing about towels is just the cool thing in space right now. Oh, yeah. That's what all the cool kids are doing, are not knowing about towels. <laughs> It's like the game. If you learn about towels, you lose. <laughs> uh, the <laughs> two for flinching and two more for knowing what towels are. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh well, then how do you know you don't know what towels are? <laughs> damn it! Oh, damn it! Fuck! I lost the game. Shit. You're not cool. <laughs> you can't come to my birthday party. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, I mean, even then, I'm like, there should have been, I don't know, a data pad or something he could use to be like. All right, what's a big dumb like you know space Google? Well, now let's like, let's not expect Star Wars to be Star Trek. Hey, the last fucking chapter we had had two people with a scanner that could tell you anything about anyone. Yeah, but the Mistral Shadow Guard are super magic rad dudes. Oh, they're well, ladies. They're they're the most magical raddest ladies in the galaxy, and they've got super tech. Yeah. that they could probably sell and save their race, but no, no. Instead, they they're gonna do some weird thiefy stuff. Yeah, no, it's it's funny that they introduce them with like straight up a tricorder when it's when everyone else in the galaxy is like Google, what the hell is that? Information. I don't know what you're talking about. Isn't that like just a large number? Can't can't we go on the hollow net? Come on, guys. <laughs> no, but you can go in the hollow shed. Oh boy. <laughs> you can use it to simulate a vast variety of sheds from across the universe. Oh man, this is like the sheds they use on Tatooine. This is like the sheds they use on Hoth. All of them are full of so many more spiders than you would expect. <laughs> so many weird various spiders. Look, they're little crystal spiders. <laughs> I mean, that's just truth about sheds, right? Every shed in the world instantly turns into a gross nest of spiders that you avoid like religiously for the rest of your life. Oh yeah, you have a shed, you put something in there, you come back, you open the door, and it's just a wave of spiders, and you're like... 
Yeah, I'm never coming back here. <laughs> I'm going to buy a new lawnmower. <laughs> well, whatever I put in here is the spiders now. <laughs> There's a shed in my backyard that's completely full of, like, spare paint for the house and, like, uh, plant poisons and stuff. And spiders. So many spiders. So many goddamn spiders. Huge spiders. The kind I'd need, like, Sting to kill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the singer, Sting. I would. I would. Also, the wrestler sting. Yeah, everything but the short sword. Yes. That's, yeah. I would need so many different stings. <laughs> I'm sure there's a transformer called that. Yeah, that's what we need. We need all of them together in a dream team to kill these spiders. It kills me that there probably isn't because the spider one is named like Arachnula and the and the scorpion one is called like Scorpinox. Oh, Scorpinox. <laughs> and Waspinator. I, it's killing me that I don't remember the actual name of the spider one. It's Arach something or other. She's she's some lady transformer. Yeah, it's Arachne. Arachne, whatever. She defied the gods in a weaving contest. <laughs> and got turned into a robo spider. <laughs> that's what mythology is. <laughs> that's how that's all what Transformers are, yeah. Yeah. All of them. <laughs> Every one of them defied the gods in a weaving contest. Yeah, real weird. <laughs> Fucking Cybertron. Everyone real defiant against gods. That's one of my favorite uh, Greek myths, by the way, is Arachne, because she's like, I'm better weaving than fucking anyone is. And they send down like a weaver god, and, and, and she's like, well, let's have a contest. Yeah, Athena's like, yo, you aren't better than me. And she's like, yeah, I am. Yeah, and she is, and she's better, and she wins. And then Athena's like, well, that's not proper deference to the gods. You're a spider now. Oh, well, fuck you then. You want to weave? You fucking weave forever then. What up now? <laughs> Athena, bitch, bring it. You should have known. It's so mean. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, petty gods. <laughs> All right. They get to the cantina. Uh, Muftak is talking to Momon Adon about his species and the stormtrooper and the uh, Imperial Lieutenant they just met and, and their plans for the, for uh, what's going on. While Cabe is sort of wandering around looking for pockets to pick. Oh, yeah. Cabe's like, I'm going to get this juice in me. I'm going to get real drunk. And then it's pickpocket o'clock. I need that jury juice. And so she goes over to the bar. And in the only cute moment in all of the cantina, she gets the little bu- the, a thing of juice in her two little bat paws. And she's like, me. Yeah. And then, and then she <laughs> wanders off. Yeah, and, and you just want to give her a little scratch in the belly. Like, you, you're so cute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then we get, of course, the fucking Evazon and Pondababa scene, because that's what we have to see every time. We're going to read 16 descriptions of Dr. Evazon and Pondababa threatening Luke and then having Pond- uh, being taken out by Obi-Wan. I really really hope that the Evazon and Pondababa chapter is just them right before it happens and then we don't get it. <laughs> they're like, we're the best of friends. And they're just like wandering around. They're like, let's go to the bar. End scene. Nothing happened. Skipping through the endless sands with Pondababa. <laughs> yeah, they have their own little 70s sitcom music intro and they're just the best of buds. <laughs> oh, yeah. They have like a whole weird thing where the two of them have to like go to jury duty, but then they get sentenced to be butlers, and it's just like <laughs> weird shit happens, and then at the very end they're like, well, let's celebrate this weird day by going to the Moss Eisley Cantina, and then that's where the chapter ends. As the sitcom judge, I declare that the two of you need to be married by law. <laughs> For a period of no less than four seasons and one television film, in which the existence of Santa Claus will be confirmed by a ho-ho-ho played over the scene of you all looking surprised there we go that's what i want that's all i want i know i won't get it but by god that is what i wish would happen yeah i I actually what i would prefer is for them the two of them to have like a weird shift where they win the fight instead and they go all matrixy and start like just doing flips around the room and kicking everyone's asses and beat the shit out of luke and and obi-wan and then it pulls back to reveal that that's their dying dream (laughs) 
Oh, don't don't do internet conspiracy theory on this. Where fucking every cartoon ever is actually someone who is dead or dying. No, I know every single thing. What do they call that? The Jacob's Ladder conspiracy or uh, theory? Yeah, that everything is basically a Jacob's Ladder scenario where it's a dying kid's vision or something. Oh yeah, where it's like, oh, what was Rugrats? Oh, it's all uh, Angelica thinking about the dead babies, and oh, what's uh, Ed, Ed, and Eddie? Oh, everyone on that uh, street is dead. Okay, uh, what's just doesn't matter what you want to say. Everything's always everyone's dead. It almost kind of makes a, a weird sense for Ed, Ed, and Eddie because it's one of those universes where there's no adults ever and there's no new characters ever. Like oh, they, yeah. they introduce everybody in episode one and then they never, in, there's never a, there's never an Ed, Ed, and Eddie episode where a new kid comes to town. Nah, man, that cul-de-sac is just full of dead kids. <laughs> it's just, it's like robots or something. I like to think it's just a hologram projection. They all think they're alive, but they're not. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're all hooked up to a machine, and uh, life is just a simulation. <laughs> life is like a hurricane here in Ed, Ed, and Eddie. <laughs> Race cars, lasers, airplanes, these things will not be found here. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay. Uh, basically, Cave gets starts casing the room. So she's like, all right, let's see. Who can I pick pockets from? Ooh, there's Han Solo. Uh, he probably doesn't have any money. He never does. Plus, he'd shoot me. Well, yeah, it's like, there's Chewbacca. Chewbacca doesn't have any pockets, and I probably shouldn't piss off a Wookiee. Plus, it's unwise to upset a Wookiee. Oh, shut up. <laughs> what are you quoting C-3PO? What is this? <laughs> Ooh, there's some guy smoking. Oh, no, no. He's like some sort of creepy vampire. <laughs> it's some kind of weird vampire, man. That is an interesting setup for I, I, for the Hookah Dude's story, eventually, I'm sure. I don't know what it is, but... Oh, yeah. I was <clears> like, wait a minute. Is this... Is this something I should know? Because the way it gives like a paragraph of, oh, I could go steal from this dude smoking a hookah. Oh, hold on. This dude is creepy as fuck. Yeah, don't fuck with that dude. Unfortunately, she doesn't really see that many other people. I was kind of hoping for her take on the Tonica sisters. Nope, but she does go, ooh, baby, there's some <laughs> idiot farm boy and an old dude. They, I've never seen them before, which means they're not from Moss Eisley, which means they're fucking marks. Yeah. She's like, ooh, a moisture farmer. Those guys are dumb as hell. <laughs> so she goes over there to try and pick Luke's pocket, but then the fight breaks out and she kind of just gets shoved over and falls down. And she's, well, she's like, oh, I can't get Luke because Evazon and Pontababa are after him. But now that old man has got his attention focused elsewhere, I'll pick his pocket. Man, you can't pick Obi-Wan's pockets. He doesn't have any money. He spends it all on HOA fees for his weird little sand condo. <laughs> uh, I love that she's like, oh, yeah, this dude with the weird billowy robes who looks like a hermit. Yeah, that's the guy I want to pick the pocket of. I'm sure he's loaded. Yeah, and then he pulls his lightsaber, and in this chapter we get it described as like a sound of tearing silk. That's not true at all. Yeah, it makes it a sound silk goes yeah the sound of tearing silk is you know a tearing sound not a <laughs> yeah so uh but at least this is the one chapter or so far we've seen that lightsaber fight in where they don't have to have the character go a jedi knight but i thought they were all gone yeah certainly cave he... is just like the fuck is that the fuck it's like, like a gun that doesn't keep shooting it just sort of starts shooting and then stops you got a you got a weird fucking weapon old man hey, this is weird your gun's broken sir <laughs> sir sir excuse me your gun is broken can i have some juice please <laughs> also i really like that cabe hates figurin dan and the modal nodes yeah because she's got them big ears she's like "Ugh, these guys are fucking terrible at playing i hate them and it really makes me think like you know what Maybe Figridon and all of them are actually really bad, and they just think they're very good. 
Like I their mean, chapter when they're like, oh, we're one of the best players in the galaxy and everyone loves us. I'm like, I wonder if that's just them blowing smoke up their own ass. I don't know, John. Let me let me ask you this though. Da 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 Nah. Oh. Well maybe you don't like them too. Yeah. Most people in the world could not resist helping me with that song now. That song rules. So uh, so I think that they're a great uh, great band. But then I don't have giant bat ears. It's true. You've got shitty old man ears. I have terrible hearing, and I've had terrible hearing forever. So oh, yeah, I mean, it's probably because when you were a kid, you would just stick anything you found in your ears. <laughs> when I was a kid? <laughs> <laughs> and to this day. Indeed, sir. I have 75 cents in change in my left ear alone. <laughs> And only one of them is a quarter. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, she kind of gets bowled over by the fight happening and gets clear. And luckily, these two aren't all that connected to the fight. So once again, as the fight uh, dies down, they watch the Greedo fight scene and all that. And then they fuck along. <laughs> Yet they fuck right off. They're like, well, that was weird. Anyway, goodbye. <laughs> That's got nothing to do with me. Muftak, the weirdest looking thing. <laughs> And they go to their weird little hidey hole. Yeah. And uh, fucking at last, Muftak's like, you know what? Now that I know what I am, I'm going to try and get enough money to get the fuck off world and go home. I'm going to need at least 500 credits to get off world. Because the only way to get off world is to also start a band. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You can only get off world with a band. Yeah, who's going to let you off world without a band? What, what point are you in the galaxy? <laughs> yeah, they're like, hey, where are you trying to go without a band? I'm a soloist. Ew, fuck you. Get back down on the planet, Jewel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Han soloist. <laughs> I'm a Han soloist, but I travel with this Wookiee. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's just my producer. <laughs> Translated, I gotta have more cowbell. <laughs> I like I like the idea of Chewbacca with like the one half of the headphones on and he's just sitting there nodding like, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Turn the music up in the headphones, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take that one more time. <laughs> anyway, they finally agree to try for the biggest score in Mos Eisley. Uh, they know that Jabba's out at his palace and so they're going to raid his very own Mos Eisley townhouse. Yeah, so... Jabba has a mansion that he has in Mos Eisley and then his palace outside Mos Eisley. And since he's hanging out at his weird palace, they're like, well, he still keeps a whole bunch of random expensive shit at his house here. So let's go steal it. Yeah. So that's their big plan. And they make plans to go forth and raid this townhouse. Now we cut to that. Our two characters fuck right up to the place. (laughs) Man. (laughs) Why you gotta be like that? <laughs> well, because fuck along made, made me so happy that now I'm just keeping going with it. <laughs> uh, so Cabe has a secret entrance that she has found that's... I couldn't even really tell what was going on. It's like behind a wall somewhere? I don't mm-hmm. even know. Yeah, definitely behind some kind of a wall. So they make their way into Jabba's palace and immediately start kind of just looting anything that's not nailed down while being super quiet. Yeah, uh, I th- love that we get the... The fact that Cabe has super huge ears means that she can, like, tell where traps are. She's like, oh, I hear a small whirring underneath the floor, and I can hear people snoring three floors up. And you're like, wow, okay. Yeah, so she she's using her super ears to tell you exactly who who's where in the house as the two of them go through making sort of a raid happen. Uh, as they're attempting to pry loose some art or whatever, the lights suddenly turn on in the room that they're in. Oh, no, but it's just a protocol droid. 
It is K8LR. Yeah, Kaitler. Yeah, it's Kaitler. So so uh Kaitler basically pops in and he's like, Who? Who? Who am I? Who? Oh. Except I don't know what she sounds like. Yeah. Also, I have no idea what Muftax sounds like now that I think about it. So I really want to hear this guy talk, given that his entire mouth is a straw. Yeah, I mean, given that most of his language is apparently just buzzing normally, mm-hmm. but he can speak basic, I'm like, how do you, what? I think it's mostly eye gestures and smizing. <laughs> smizing. Yeah, he's real good at smizing. Uh, so yeah, Kate shows up and is like, Oh, hello. You must be Jabba's friends. Oh, he they do keep such strange hours. Oh, my. Anyway, I merely need to go tell Bib Fortuna that you're here. You know Bib Fortuna, that Twi'lek? The yeah, Twi'lek. who's in the movies? The, the gross one? The one that the one that people wish didn't exist because he's all gross and he has turkey gobbles on his neck? Oh, uh, hmm. that one. Ever since him, every single one of them's been a sexy beast? Yes, hmm. that one. <laughs> the slimy, earthworm-looking one. Uh, I like that the droid is just like, oh, yeah, I assume you should be here. It's fine. Yeah. I've seen weirder, dumber shit. I work for Jabba. <laughs> like, f- finding two weird little furry aliens in this house is nothing. <laughs> oh, more sex things for Jabba? <laughs> oh, yes, of course. It's Furry Friday. I should have known. Hmm, that's a fascinating species. What part of you does he go in? <laughs> uh, so they need and to stop And what part him- of him goes in you? <laughs> They need to stop him from talking to Bib Fortuna. Well, he's got a restraining bolt, just like any good old droid. So they grab hold, and towels are ridiculously strong. They are, like, you yeah. know... They got that moth strength. They're they're Wookiee or greater level strengths. Yeah, yeah. So he just straight rips the bolt out of the chest of K-8. Who's immediately like, ah, good, fuck Jabba. Oh, I hate Jabba the Hutt. That guy's a real dickbag. Thanks. <laughs> I'm going to kick him square in the tail next time and blame it on the monkey thing. <laughs> uh, so now they're like, oh, great, cool. Let's uh, let's use you while we're going around. Yeah. And uh, K-8 then speaks the language of the Tals. Yeah, and he's like, bzz, 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 bzz. And, Tals, and, and uh, Muftak is like, the fuck did you just say to me? <laughs> Whoa, hold on, how the fuck do you know that language? And he's like, oh, I speak 5,000 languages, and of course I know about Al... Krez... Alf. Alf. Al- I know about Alf. <laughs> of course I know about Alf. I know the planet of Melmac and all the languages found therein. <laughs> ha! I kill me. Isn't that what they always say? Yes? Yes, mm-hmm. that's a saying from Alf. <laughs> no, it's Alzoc 3. Alzoc, that's it. <laughs> Elzar. Yeah, it's, 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 it's Alzoc, let's have sex. <laughs> no pig. <laughs> no space pig. <laughs> Flush. <laughs> so, so uh, basically, now we know what planet Tals are from, which is yeah. Alzoc 3, a jungly planet with huge nectary flowers to drink. Man, it has been a fucking hallmark 24 hours for Muftak. He has found out what he is called and what the planet he's from is called. Yeah, we're really lucky that it happened right around the same time as everything else that's relevant at the Mos Eisley Cantina. Yeah, I mean, the rest of his life has mostly just been dicking around, but now, in this last 24 hours, shit's really started to go down. Yeah, this is like his second cocoon day. <laughs> <laughs> so... So now he knows he's from Alzoc 3, and he gets all excited about that. They get enough loot to fill up about two loot sacks. And then uh, uh, Cabe hears some stuff from behind a door and is like, hey, what the hell is going on in there? And uh, Caitler says, oh, oh, well, you see, there's, there's a human in there, and he's being tortured for being being a bad human or something. I don't know. He was a courier. <laughs> oh, that's he's he's in the Rebel Alliance. What a... 
what a weird little man. It's, it's strange that fucking half of the people that live on Tatooine are in the Rebel Alliance, but here you go. Everyone you meet when you're walking down the street is probably a rebel. That's my song I sing. No, that's me. That's what I do. I sing songs. I sing little songs. Would you like to hear another one? No. Oh. Oh. Oh my. <laughs> so they go in there, and Cave was like, sweet, a fucking nerve disruptor. This shit sells for a lot. Let me we, get that. And once again, references another chapter, because because uh, belie- he believes he can sell it to Valerian, specifically. Or the uh, the Whiphead from chapter one. That Whiphead. Yeah. So he's all, uh, so, so she, Cave is like, Hot shit, look at this thing. It's a fucking nerve disruptor. This alone will sell me enough jury juice for the rest of my life. <laughs> I plan to live a year. Because <laughs> of all the jury juice I'm planning on well, drinking. I don't know, maybe maybe uh, Chadrafan don't live that long. I mean, they're little bats. Yeah, you... they don't. <laughs> Probably half dead already. Probably dies halfway through this story. So, Cave uh, is doing that, and then, of course, the human wakes up and is like, I'm so thirsty. And Cave's like, uh-huh, oh, sure, whatever. Uh-huh. Water. So, and then Cave finally gets pissed at him and puts water near him and then gets back to work, but his hands are bound. Yeah. Well, I mean, Cave does it because Cave remembers when she was on the streets and thirsty and hungry, and then Muff Tech took her in, because Cave was like, I'm a weird little orphan and nobody wants to help me, but Muff Tech's like, yeah, sure, I'll help a little bat person, why not? Yeah, I was an orphan myself once, you know. You know, although I came out of a cocoon basically fully grown, so whatever. And with a whole bunch of memories. I'm not sure if I was an orphan or not now that I get right down to it. <laughs> I, I don't even know what the hell's going on. I'm <laughs> uh, Tack. And so Cade basically gives him water, but he can't drink it yet because his hands are bound. So Caitler comes in and gives, it, gives him a hand. Yeah. And the moment he's had enough water to, to, uh, to kind of collect himself, he turns into like an NPC from a video game. He's like, hello, sir. Would you like to make money? I see that you are interested in that. My name is Barid Masorium. Remember that name for it shall be your password. Here, I have a data dot dot for you to give to, uh, what's his nuts? Uh, I can't remember the name of the alien they're supposed to give it to. It's some it's uh, a Mon Calamari. Yeah, it's some Mon Cal. Yeah, but it's it's not it's not the one that you've heard of. No, um, but they've got to give it for General Dodongo's eyes only. <laughs> General Dodonna, who is that one of the mini seventies bearded characters in uh, New Hope's uh, battle scenes? Yeah, yeah. So. Basically, Barid here is like, hey, this data dot contains important rebel secrets because everyone on this planet has rebel secrets. <laughs> it's worth 30,000 credits. That's that's as many as, what, 50 bands? 60 bands? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. You can get so many bands for this. <laughs> That'll get you off planet. So uh, Barid, just, he's been kind of tortured and held down for a very long time, and he is not in good shape. Uh, but he's like, hey, just take this data dot, which I have stuck to one of my teeth, and once you've got the dot, you have to get it to this dude who's going to be hanging, this fish man who's going to be hanging around at the Mos Eisley Cantina for the next two days. Yep. Tell him my name, and he will reward you with 30,000 credits. Like, fucking sw- sweet, sure. Yeah, so, uh, but they also let him out, because why wouldn't you? Eh. Yeah. And then, as they're getting ready to escape with their new data dot that is worth 30,000 credits, wouldn't you know it, all of a sudden the place is full of all kinds of problems. Yeah, I mean, they're... <laughs> They're real greedy in this. They've got, like, sacks full of ridiculous nonsense and a data dot that's worth 30,000 credits. But they're still like, oh, we need to go into his actual meeting room because that's where he's got, like, actual priceless artifacts that we should also try and get. Well, I mean, you're not going to come into Jabba's palace twice. (laughs) Or I guess in this case, Jabba's townhouse. Jabba's condo. (laughs) 
how often do you get the chance to raid Jabba's condo, you know? Right. So, so you might as well get everything good while you're here. So, apparently, Cabe's hearing fails her because she doesn't quite figure out in time that two Gamorians are coming through the door as they snort and squeal their way along. Yeah, they're... Because, you know, Gamorians. They're the... They're the these are the uh, Gamorians, of course, are the race that inspired the bad guys from uh, from Angry Birds. Yeah, uh huh. They're they're green evil pig axe men. Yeah, and they love stealing eggs. They love to steal eggs and build uh, ratchety buildings to sit in. That's what they love. That's all they do. That's Gamorians, and they don't have bodies. <laughs> yep, Gamorians. <laughs> so two Gamorians come popping in, uh, squealing obscenely, according to the book, which to me suggests that Muftak speaks their language and they're just constantly saying boobs and stuff to each other. <laughs> <laughs> boobs? Booty. I want the booty. Give me the booty. Big booty. Give me the booty. Oily booty. Mulatto butts. <laughs> they're saying to each other at, at high pitch and great length. <laughs> That's what happens when you're a Gamorian at like two in the morning in Jabba's Palace. You're just like, booty, 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 booty. <laughs> Penis, 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 penis. Yeah, the two of them are playing the penis game, and they're both real bad at it. <laughs> the penis game. Yeah, they're just going, penis, 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 penis. Yeah, but see, I knew what the pe- I knew which game you were talking about, but I like to think that they were playing some entirely different game. They're playing the penis game, the classic game of Connect Four Penises. <laughs> it's my favorite game ever, announces Vincent Price from the side of the box. <laughs> <laughs> not not that he is, you know, pictured on there. A tiny Vincent Price is clinging to the side of the box. This is my favorite game. <laughs> I'm just picturing every board game now is just penises instead. It's penises. Connect four. Yeah, it's the classic Connect four penises game. <laughs> oh, you blocked my fourth penis. Pretty sneaky, sis. <laughs> you sunk my penis ship. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. So these Gamorians immediately haul out their big wooden and metal axes that they carry around and start squealing and charging. Yep. And charging and, and squealing. And Muff Tack's like, I'm going to shoot you. Oh, my blaster's garbage. God damn it. He's a trash blaster. He has to sit there and kind of fix it while he's shooting at them. And by the time he finally gets a shot off, one of the Gamorians intentionally blocks the shot with his axe head as a shield. Yeah, which... So what? Like, what? <laughs> Is that a Jedi Gamorrean? What are we what, what are we looking at here? Yeah, it's like okay, sure, why not? I wanted to, that to be a moment where the whole thing froze and it just cuts right over to to Muftak and he watched all four eyes just shoot wide. He's like, ah, oh, fuck, <laughs> <laughs> we gotta go. <laughs> oh, Gamorreans, this isn't a big deal. They don't have cool Jedi laser blocking ability. Oh no, oh fuck. <laughs> so it's Darth Pigamus. So they managed to kill off these two and are running from the inevitable rest of the guards that will be showing up. Uh Uh-huh. But they are trapped in the uh, the meeting room. Yeah. And Cabe very intelligently sets up the nerve disruptor at the doorway to it so that anytime anyone's like, ah, let's go get him, and three Gamorreans do, they run in and get fucking nerve disrupted, and they're like, ah, shit, balls! And they just fall on the ground and ride around. <laughs> ah, booty! Ah, booty, booty! <laughs> ah, penis! Ah, I have a great cordolio, says one of them, weirdly. <laughs> them boys been whacking it in my camper. <laughs> uh, sir, uh, the, the, we found the boys in, in the, the camper off in, in which they were whacking. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Uh, 
Oh, these Gamorreans ain't right. <laughs> Axe me in the jimmies. <laughs> so <laughs> they hold off the Gamorreans for a while, but unfortunately the whole building's on fire. Oh, yeah. Well, their laser blasts are going off, and it hits a tapestry next to them because they're hiding behind the dais, and everything's on fire now, and, like, the Bib Fortuna's in there going, like, will somebody please get those two? <laughs> yeah. And random new alien types, like an Abyssin and so on, start showing up and getting blasted and so on, uh, but they just can't seem to fix these doors. Eventually, Cave manages to get one of the doors open. Well, no, one of them just opens by That's themselves. Right. Kaler, Kaler is secretly helping them out, or Barit or something. Yeah. Um. So... So one of the doors opens, but at this point, Muftak realizes that he po- they can't possibly get away. There are far too many guards shooting far too many lasers. Yeah, and he is a huge target. Yes. So he literally picks Cabe up, puts all the treasure in her hands, and boots her out the door. He's like, yo, you need to run. I'll be uh, right behind you. Uh-huh. Definitely right behind you and super dead. Yeah. <laughs> here we go. Get out of here. <laughs> Look, like all of my species, I wish to die by running into a bright electricity light. That's my, that's my goal. <laughs> I plan to glo- glo- go out in a pssst of glory, so... Uh... So if you can, please. <laughs> and uh, she goes running outside, realizes what he did, and gets kind of grumpy. Yeah, she's like, all right, I got enough treasure forever. I should uh, probably leave. And then she's like, oh, god damn it. This guy saved me from dying on the streets. I have to go help him. But if I leave the treasure here, obviously it will not be there when I get back. So she makes about three steps further, and then she gets mad, drops the treasure, knowing there's no real point to hiding it, and goes charging back in to help. Yep. And then uh, <laughs> we find out that uh, Kate is helping them, because mm-hmm. K-8 is up on the like balcony up above where all this is, and there is a net in the middle of the room full of like carnivorous flying little monsters. Uh- <laughs> Jabba's palace, duh. And so, apparently, he keeps this around to just, like, threaten people with or to, like, drop on people when he's feeling amused. Because, you know, he's got the rancor at the other palace. So, in this one, he's got to have a net full of weird flying carnivore things. Yes. So, Kate drops this net thing full of flying carnivore monsters all over all these Gamorreans and what have you. Yeah, so that covers their escape so they can get out. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't believe Kate gets out. No. Well, that's why he needs a new protocol droid. Yeah. Yeah, he needs a new protocol droid because this is the death of Kate. For a second, I thought maybe Kate doesn't die here and instead is the droid we see being tortured in Jabba's palace later. Well, that's what I assume. Yeah. Is that the reason that they get uh, fucking what's-his-nuts uh, C-3PO. Mm-hmm. I couldn't remember C-3PO's name. Well, yeah, because it's sassy 3PO. Uh, yeah, and the reason that Job was like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll take that. I need a new one of those is because, it's like, oh, my old one was a fucking traitor, so. <laughs> so, so yeah, maybe this is the droid we see getting flipped upside down and having its feet tortured or whatever. No, wait, because that was a... That, that was, was a, a gonk. Yeah, that was an, a gonk or an astromech, so, yeah, never mind. Uh, okay, so they get away. Barid gets away. Yep. And uh, But the two of them, indeed, do meet up with the Mon Calamari dude in Mos Eisley Cantina just a few uh, a few hours later. Yeah, because they're like, as even though we don't have these sacks of ridiculous treasure, we got a few gems that uh, mm-hmm. Cabe squirreled away, plus this data dot. We still got the data dot. Oops, the dip and dot. I accidentally ate the dip and dot. Guys, I'm sorry I ate the dip and dot. I thought it was, <laughs> I thought I, it was licorice I, flavored ice cream. I, I ate the dip and dot that you were saving for breakfast. It was so cold. <laughs> It's so delicious. <laughs> John, do you speak entirely in memes? Is that-, <laughs> that is all I can do. So, for whatever reason, the Moncal immediately tries to bargain with them. 
And he's like, yeah, this is really important information. Thank you very much for this. Here's 15,000 credits. And they're like, what? You said it was 30,000 credits. And he goes, yeah, here's two written marks of transit to get you off planet into wherever you want. Yep, you can use these to go anywhere in the galaxy. That should be worth 15,000 credits, which no, no, it isn't. (laughs) It's worth 30 bands. (laughs) That's worth a couple of bands at best, you slippery little fish man. Well, it's got to be bands good enough to impress Cabe. Remember that Cave does not care for uh, Figrin Dawn or his music, which she keeps coming up with names for that are not anything like the names that we hear in his in his chapter. No. Uh, she says at the end here, her her least favorite song of his is the chronological passage of sequential events. Yeah. Which, ugh, that's a bad name. Yeah, well, that's why she hates it. She hates it. Stupid name. It's a terrible name yeah. for a shitty song. <laughs> it's like a Rush song. You got to imagine, what if that was the only song they had that was good was that Cantina song, and the rest of the things they played were just absolute garbage? Well, they play two good songs, though, John. They also play do 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 No, that's just part of the the other song. It's the same song. It's like... It's it's like the Red Hot Chili Peppers, where an album is basically all just one song. Yeah, where basically the Red Hot Chili Peppers are a hose that produces samey sounding music about women in California, and every year they just turn it on fourteen times, forget fourteen drips, put them on an album, and release it. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's that's figuring Dan living in a world where a girl lives inside of California. Hey guys, we're kind of funky, maybe a little bit. Who cares? Hey guys, here's a song. It's like the other ones, California. I want a girl from California to see my funky California. <laughs> and that's all the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, at least with Tom Petty, it was always a woman from a different state. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just real, real worldly. Yeah, he was always talking about how he liked them Alabama girls and stuff. But no, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, it's all Californias. Just California, please. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So, uh,. <laughs> They agree to take these fi- these uh, letters of mark that will definitely get them off planet and to wherever they want. Although, really, 15000 is a crazy amount for that. We already established that getting off planet costs less than 500 credits. Well, I mean, it's both of them, so... Maybe it's special bith rates? Well, it's also signed by Moff Tarkin himself. Oh, yeah, that's right. Grand Moff Wilhuff Tarkin. Yeah, so that means they can go anywhere and not get hassled by the Empire as well. Mm-hmm. So I assume that's worth a little more. He had to change his name from Tar- to Tarkin. You know, it used to be paint. <laughs> Grand Moff uh, Will Huff Paint was his name. Will Huff Paint. <laughs> Just, that's what he said, sitting there with his sign that said Will Huff Paint for a dollar on the, at the side of a liquor store. Yep. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, they agree to go off planet. And of course, because this is one of the bo- the uh, chapters of the Moss Eisley t- Cantina book, we end on Mufftack thinking about how maybe I'll join that rebellion. You know, I'm going to hmm. I'm going to go to my uh my planet. I'm going to drink from those big old flowers, but maybe just maybe rebellion. Maybe I'll even visit the Chadrafan planet, Chadra, which he misspells here as Chadran. <laughs> we'll go to Chadran. Oh, and we'll see how the Bat People live. And I bet that's not annoying at all. Oh yeah, <laughs> it'll be great. I'll love just a million little caves running around talking about juice. <laughs> hey, 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 who wants some juice? I want some juice. I want yeah. some juice. Oh, hey, juice, juice. juice. Ooh, it was juice. Ah, yeah, jumping around. Juice. Oh, 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 so oh crazy. here we go. <laughs> That's, that's the whole planet. The whole goddamn planet. <laughs> and then never, each... never invaded because every time someone went, they were like, oh, God, no. 
Hello, welcome to Chatter Friend. Oh, oh, I'm Andrew. You want a delicious I want to be your best friend. Are we best friends now? We're best friends. Oh, I'm going to hang on to your, hang on to your left leg. Ooh, I'm on your right leg. Let's oh, go. We're going to help you walk. Here Whee! we go. One, two, one, one two, two, one, two, one, two. <laughs> nope. Retreat, retreat. We're, we're done here. <laughs> Everyone, take yep. off. The planet was uh, uninhabited. Mark that down. Mark, mark it down. It's poisonous. No one go here. <laughs> All right, so, yeah, he thinks, oh, maybe I'll join this rebellion. After all, the Empire is quite racist. Yeah, after all, the Empire sucks ass, and the rebellion gave me money. So, yay, rebellion. <laughs> Go rebellion. And that that makes two random dudes we've encountered in Mos Eisley turning out to be secret rebel operatives running around with important information. Yeah, man, there's just always a rebel operative. It just makes you wonder if Ridge Windward knows Barrett Basorium. No, Are mean, they, like, maybe. pals? Sure. <laughs> they were both there together on a mission. And uh, Riz is the one who didn't get captured. Yeah, how many more of those guys do you think we're going to meet? I mean, I, I have to assume at least a couple. Riz got captured, by the way. They let him out of jail during his arc. That's what the the, sh- the shadow guards like helped him out of jail. Or did he help them out of jail? He helped them out. That's right. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> so you're right. He didn't get captured. He got a job on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. He works for them. Yeah. So there you go. That's this chapter. Uh, the tale of Muftak and Cabe. And uh, <laughs> good Lord, next time's going to be the tale of an Ithorian, I think. Yep. We're going to get that tale of Mo-Ma-Mo-Ma-Mo-Ma-Mo-Ma-Mo-Ma-Mo-Ma-Mo-Ma-Mo-Ma-Mo-Ma-Mo-Ma-Mo-Ma-Mo-Ma-Mo-